has to be respectful. And you are now tuned into My Skin Is My Sin presents another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. And today we have Jay, the loveologist in the building. She is the CEO of Empowered Sexual Wellness, a certified sexologist, a sex counselor, educator, and a researcher. We got Jay, the loveologist. How you doing, Queen? Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I've been working on my shit, trying to get better at it, you know, make it a little yes. bit more epic. <laughs> How's life? How's your family? Life is great. Um, busy. You know, I'm about to hit dissertation, so it's like, it's just getting busy. Real busy. Oh, that's like the PhD uh, joint, right? Yes, it is. Wow. Shout out to you. That's dope. <laughs> Listen, thank you. Yeah, thank what you, you. doing at all? <laughs> What you gonna do it on? Um, you know, my my research is on sex. So um I'm studying sexual racism and how it impacts sexual shame and sexual satisfaction. So I'm saying that you know, racism in society impacts individuals' ability to have sexual pleasure and causes sexual shame. Okay, how? How? Well, yes. you know. We have a a lot of stereotypes. Black women have a lot of stereotypes. Black Mm -hmm. men have a lot of stereotypes. And because of that, and particularly, especially women, sometimes they play this role. And sometimes that role can prevent them from having the sexual enjoyment and pleasure that they need and that they desire. Okay. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Let me ask you this. Okay. And, and and I know you corrected me on sex counselor. Break yeah. that down for me. So I, I won't make that mistake again. Yeah. So sex, uh, there's different sexuality professions. Like this field is so large. There are doctors, there are clinicians, there's counselors and therapists and educators and coaches. Um, myself, I am a sex counselor sex educator, and I'm also a sex coach, and all of those are different. So a sex therapist is normally uh, dealing with mental health aspects mm-hmm. of okay. sexuality. Now, although my education is in mental health, so I could be a sex therapist, um, I don't want to limit who's able to access me. So mm-hmm. I'm a sex counselor, meaning that you don't have to have a mental health di- diagnosis often to see me. Although I do work with a lot of mental health professionals, um, mm-hmm. And they refer to me. Um, you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis to see me. Um, I'm also a sex educator. So that's just like lesson, lessons on how to do do different practices and, and to get your groove on. Um, also do some sex coaching, which is really kind of talking about different like elements of being confident in, you know, not just within sexuality, but also intimacy. So are you like there coaching or are you like coaching from from afar? Um, no, well, you know, I normally coach and do sex counseling virtually. Um, okay. But I do get a lot of referrals from like OBGYN offices and urology offices. And I'm more comfortable meeting with those particular people uh-huh. um, because they're a direct referral from like a doctor um, versus just any random person. So what's the biggest concern people have when they come to you? Gosh, it's a lot. You know, I get so many different um, 
things that people come to me about. Some people want to know how to achieve an orgasm, you know, especially with a women, you know, mm-hmm. there is a, a deficit for women to have orgasms. Like not a lot of women have had orgasms. We've been taught that the penis is the way to have an orgasm, which is one way to have orgasm, but it's not the only way. And women, it's proven that women more so receive orgas- orgasms from clitoral stimulation. So if you don't know how to touch yourself, if you don't know how, you know, clitoral stimulation works, then you're nine times out of 10, you've never had orgasm. So um, it's really teaching people about their bodies for the Mm -hmm. first time because we, we just don't know. Um, So I get a lot of um, referrals and a lot of counseling sessions about that. Um, I get a lot of people who have been through trauma. Um, a lot of people that are cancer patients that have lost their groove or maybe having some uh, sexual dysfunction due to um, prostate uh, concerns mm-hmm. or even people that have had like injuries such as paralysis that want to still have pleasure. I still work with them as well, too. Really? Yeah. Like I, I know in some instances, like if you a, a quadriplegic or paraplegic may still have some feeling, you know, down in a Johnson. But generally speaking, they don't. It, for whatever reason, you know, it, it, you can get it up, they tell me, but they, they don't feel shit. They partner does. There are some people that still have a sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, it may, it's definitely not what it was, but the sensation is still there. And a lot of times they just want to be able to please their partner. So being able to do that and utilize different probes because there are probes that allow for stimulation as well, too, to make sure that it stays hard. Um, Being able to utilize, um, you know, cock rings for, you know, muscle stimulation to make sure that it stays hard as well, too. You know, using some practices like that Um, and also just different different ways. So if an erection is an issue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I refer people to go get a, a thigh strap. A thigh strap on is so hidden for a lot of people. It's a uh-huh. strap on. You can actually tie onto your thigh and individuals can ride it um, and utilize another toys as well, too. And just thinking outside of the box of sex, you know, sometimes touching, um, util- utilizing some Tantra as well, too, touching mm. and, and being. So, you know, I get a lot of different people that come to me that that want different advice and I, I give them different strategic ways of being when it comes to intimacy sometimes it doesn't involve sex sometimes it involves touch mm-hmm. so so men come to you too then yeah all genders um you know we have individuals that are you know trans we have people that are um, you know gender non-binary and all different genders um, come see me I'm not sure what the last one was. What is it? Gender, gender non-binary? non-binary? Yeah. Yeah, that's individuals that are outside of the box. So we often look at gender as being a man and a woman. So individuals that don't fit within those particular categories. Okay. Um, that's never heard of that one before. Yeah. Um, so with men, is intimacy a big issue that you're hearing or is it strictly just a functionality type of situation? I think it's a little bit of both, but Mm -hmm. intimacy is a big, um, a big concern. You know, I work with a lot of uh, men that are in their fifties and higher. 
mm-hmm. that are beginning to have, you know, maybe testosterone decreases. And mm-hmm. because of that, they're not able to get as hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some parts of their penis are getting harder than other parts. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to kind of to stay up. So I do refer to uh, different types of methods for them to be able to, you know, keep it up and being able to have that stamina as well, too. Sometimes that's also working with urology offices. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a clinical issue. So I work with uh, urology offices to make sure that there's that clinical component as well, too. Um, Now, intimacy is different. You know, there's sex and there's intimacy. Intimacy is like the way that you're able to woo your partner, the way that beyond just sex, that you're able to make (laughs) sure that your partner is fulfilled. And that is a big concern, too, with all genders, but in particularly men, too, that have been told that the only way that they're valued sometimes is with their dick. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the case, you know, especially when we start seeing individuals that are having erectile dysfunction, that are having maybe, um, you know, lower stamina. Um, sometimes they start feeling a little bad about themselves or feeling like their manhood is, is not there. Honey, it's still intact. It's still popping. Um, but there has to be other ways as well, too, that you consider as well mm-hmm. when it comes to intimacy. And that's why they come to me. Yeah, getting old sucks as a dude. <laughs> it just does, you know. Um, and like last year, like I had a heart attack. And so like like we, we were scared thereafter for a while. Like, like you know, if we do something, I'm going to fuck around and die. Well, neither one of us wanted that to happen, but you know, you eventually work through that shit. But like, yeah, getting old, man, and people don't understand that sexually getting old can be frustrating. It can be. Um, I think any health concern is just very kind of mind blowing for people when it comes to intimacy and sex. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that have hip replacement surgeries. If you have a hip replacement surgery, there's oh, certain things that you, you can't do. You can't do anymore. Or if you if you want to do it, then you have to be creative using a sex pillow, a wedge. You know, <laughs> being able wedge. to yeah, utilize different ways of being able to be intimate. And that's why people come to me because it's like, okay, you're not going to get this from your doctor. Your right. doctor is going to be very strategic and say, well, you're going to have to take some pain medication, maybe go to a physical therapist. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Then they come to me and say, well, my my client wants to be able to be intimate with their, their partner. And I don't know what to say because in medical school, they only teach about uh, prevention. Right. They don't really teach about intimacy in medical school programs. So then they come to me and say, hey, you know, what can I do to help them? Or okay, so. All right. So you get a couple, Mm -hmm. just a scenario. Let's say they've been married like 20, 25 years and they have hit a rut. What's the first thing you you recommend for them to kind of get their groove back? Because I think every relationship goes through that at least once, if not more. Yeah, I think um, a rut is so common, especially with with long standing relationships. Um. But before that, I always Mm -hmm. do, um, it's called, I call it a pleasure inventory. It's Mm. almost like a sexuality history um, kind of assessment. So before I even start to recommend, I get to know Mm. my clients and I talk about, you know, maybe what they've been through. You know, if infidelity has recently been an issue, Mm. that's, that can impact, that can cause a rut. 
yeah trust if there's some issue maybe you have an older child at home that doesn't need to be at home but they're having trouble finding a job and that's that's caused some issues with intimacy that can cause a rut so you know i don't often jump the gun Mm -hmm. and offer suggestions until I do that inventory and actually understand why they're seeing me. So why sex? What was it about sex? It just, this is going to be your thing for life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's such a good question. Um, Previously, I worked in a very respectable field, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the sex is actually very respectable, but people have, People have their own views about this work. Some people think that this work is too risque, but then those same people come to me for for advice and help in their relationships and within their own intimacy. But I used to be, you know, a, a chief diversity officer. I used mm. to primarily do a lot of the uh, strategic initiatives <laughs> for a lot of Fortune uh, 500 companies as well, too, doing their okay. trainings. I still do trainings. So I do work with a company that do, does diversity trainings um, and does strategic planning and initiatives and assessments and all of those things. Um, so I still do that on the side. But recently I just did a flip into more so focusing on my passion, which is which is sexuality and intimacy work. And primarily because one of my passions is working with individuals to make sure that they have a happy and fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I call myself a loveologist, it's not that because it's not saying that I have all the answers when it comes to love and relationships. I don't. And mm-hmm. if anyone says that they do, they they really are lying to you. You know, all these Ke- what's his name, Kevin Samuel dude that says that he has all the answers and likes to point out all the flaws. I, of everybody I don't, else. I, but but you know what? I don't think that. And I'm not a fan of this cat. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that he says he got all the answers. And they call him. It's not like he calling. It's not like he calling nobody up and said, you know. So they at this point they know exactly what he is about. They do. They do. But there's, you know, there is a decorum. There is a way that you can um, be able to build someone without tearing them down. And yeah, but I that ain't popular. It's it's pop. It's popular. It, it's not. Popular. It's like, That's how he gets. No, 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 no. no. He's popular because 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 he talks so much shit to people. People want to yeah. see other people get torn down. Yeah, me. It, I'm just the opposite. I feel like you can. I feel like you can build people up. I feel like we have enough in society as black folks being able to tear each other down. Why should I contribute to the issues? That's I why I'm you. in this work. That is why sex is the work for me, because sex is such a topic that people don't want to talk about. It's something that they don't want to address. And at the end of the day, it it has caused so much pain within people. Um, but I'm wanting yeah. to flip that script and say that it doesn't have to be a, an experience that is oppressive. It can be something that you reclaim about yourself. It's something that you can own. If you don't want to have sex, I work with people that are asexual and want to find ways to be intimate without sex. I can with help who? with that. Like, like, go, like, who are they going to be intimate with? Who is Their okay partners, with that? You know, there are people that don't have sexual desire, but they still want really? to have some intimacy. And I suggest Tantra. I suggest, you know, utilizing sensory wheels and, and you know, toys and other ways that don't require sexual activity so 
there are people that 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 did, did something happen to them in their past, they traumatized or whatever, or they just it's legitimately just don't I like mean, sex. Yeah, it's a combination. I mean, everyone has their own story. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own way of being. For mm-hmm. some people, they've never had the urge, and it has nothing to do with trauma. For some people, they do have the urge. You know, hormones are something that we can't necessarily, you know, sometimes we yeah. can control it with medication. Sometimes um, medically, our hormones are not, um, you know, in a normal range or what people may say normal. That mm-hmm. does impact intimacy. But hormones also can be different from person to person. Really, there are people that have no desire for for sex. There's some people that they've experienced it before and they're just mm-hmm. not enthused about it. And there's some people that are demisexual, demi, which means that maybe they like sexual intimacy, but they're very, very particular on who they give that sexual in- energy to. Like they're very particular. They, those are crazy people. No, not crazy people. <laughs> no, not crazy people. Those are just people that are discerning. They're discerning about what they want to give their sexual energy to. What's a good number? Like, what should somebody, let's say at 35, what's an acceptable number of sexual partners by the time you hit 35? There is no acceptable numbers of sexual partners. <laughs> okay, so so like like there's not, like a thousand is not too much? I am not one to police someone's body. Oh. There is no acceptable number for me. Okay, for you, let, let me ask you this though: Is there is there like a, a ceiling for somebody you would be intimate with? No. Oh wow, yeah, a thousand would be too much for me. I have, I have met people that, that are sex workers that have been with thousands of people that have had zero STDs and STI history. I have met people that have been with two people that have reoccurring. STDs and STIs. Shouldn't we worry about health and wellness versus numbers? Yeah, but the problem is, is that especially as a guy, you don't want to be that guy that marries the neighborhood hoe. You uh-huh. just don't want you don't want to be that guy. And it's not even that you you may really actually think she may be re- reformed, be a great person, you know, she'd have moved on, but you feel some type of ways, you know. But like men gotta, can be neighborhood hoes. It's not fair. It's not right, but it is. <laughs> oh, that is so. That is so ass backwards. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, like it, it's not fair. It, it, it is absolutely not right. But that is the the way of the land as it stands today. Well, my goal is to destroy that 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 notion, and that's the case because. Listen, we we are in a society where we should be more concerned with sexual health than numbers. Because I'm telling you that there are people that have been in their their numbers are low, mm-hmm. but they're constantly being exposed to STDs and STIs because their their partners, unfortunately, who some are men, are neighborhood hoes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, although I will say I think women are catching up now. Like this generation uh, is is pretty bad. I don't you know. know. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. You know, um, you have to give me some some proof of that. 
Um, I don't have actual numbers on that one, just from what you see. Um, oh, and let me see. I, I, I looked at Maxim, and they had the top 10 questions about sex. Okay. Um, and the first two were basically about a woman orgasming. Yeah. Uh, number one was, where is the G-spot? Number two is how to make a woman orgasm. Number three, and four, um, okay, I didn't expect these two. Can you get rid of herpes and genital warts? Uh, <laughs> how to get a bigger penis manually was number six. How, how to measure one was number seven. Yeah. Really? that People, people actually yeah. ask you that? Yeah, all of those things. Um, I will say the other day was National Herpes Awareness Month. And that is a very common uh, question that sexologists get is if it can be cured or um, how do you know if you have it? And um, I will say, and since we're talking about the, you know, individuals and partners, Mm -hmm. three out of four people have genital herpes. So if you have been with four people, you have encountered it at least once, whether it was an active case or an inactive case. Oh, wow. It is one of the most common STDs, which is so important for people to get tested and to know their bodies. Wow, that that yes. that's yeah, y'all, y'all single folks out there, do y'all thing, man. Go get, yeah. go get tested, <laughs> find out. Yeah, um, but the measurements—that's mm-hmm. also a very big question we get. Sometimes really? inappropriate. Um, you know, sometimes I get a lot of dick pics in my inbox and people wanting me to say, you know, this is, is this a normal size? And a lot of times it's not even very erotic. They're not wanting to like hit on me. They really legitimately want to know if it's a normal size. They legitimately want to know if their, wow. their size is comparable. <laughs> and I will say the average size Based on statistics, the average size is around five and a half inches. So I always say, I always do that. That is the average size. But for people that are not larger endowed, does not mean that they're not able to please their partners. There are people, there are people with larger penises that don't know how to use it that want to wham bam wham bam and you know not a lot of pleasure when it comes to that you know so it's it's important to consider that and i always let people know like society really puts a big emphasis on size Mm -hmm. but really being able to have the skills matters the skills and that's why people come to see me for some suggestions and for some support and to actually rid some of that shame as well, too. Yeah, man. Like, like it's no dude out there has had flawless performances his whole life if he makes it to 25. You've had a night or two where it was just not not your night. You was off your game and you was embarrassed. Um, and, and you just gotta learn to live with that. It's just gonna happen. Like nobody it's hits a thousand. Yes, to women. How? Women, you know, I think a lot of people think that well, it's easy for women because they could just like lay back. 
Yeah. But we don't think of it sometimes that way. Sometimes we're very critical of our performance. If we've done this, if we'd done this right, if we were able to, you know, um, how long it took for us to make our partners come and, you know, how we've been able to do this. And, you know, we're very performance driven sometimes. So it's not just, not just men. A lot of women are very subconscious in the bedroom as well, too, about how they perform. <laughs> so how long before a woman starts getting worried whether she got trash box or not to make a guy come? You know, women, whether women think, uh, think about it or, or not, uh, it is a concern that some women have. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there is such thing as a trash box. Um I think there are women that are unfamiliar with how to use their bodies. Mm, um, just I like, like there are men that um, from society standpoint, they mm -hmm. may have like flawless size, like in society standpoint, mm -hmm. but they may not be hitting it because they don't have the skills. Doesn't mean that it's trash. Just means that they need to learn and take a step back and learn. Mm -hmm. um, that education is so important. Um, damn, what's the what's the big brother? Damn, uh, he does the the, the 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 comedy skits and shit. Ah, oh, I cannot remember, but he had a, a skit about basically for the women that he had. He knew he disappointed. He wanted a makeup round. <laughs> Is that a thing? A makeup round. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it before. I've heard people have makeup rounds before. Um. Some sometimes people uh, say sure. Some people say no. I'm you know one time was enough. <laughs> wow, but, yeah, it's got to be pretty I'm bad if one time was enough. Yeah, sometimes people say one time is enough. Oh, that that's horrible. And 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 I'm pretty sure that in in your practice you you deal with infidelity a lot. I think you touched on that a little bit. Um, how do the men handle it? Because I know, like, it, it happened to me once, and I did not handle it well. I mean, it's a complicated. It's so complicated because um, it depends on who kind of like the perpetrator is mm -hmm. <laughs> of the infidelity. You know, there are a lot of men that have a lot of shame about what they've done if they are the person that's cheated. Mm -hmm. Um there are a lot of men that shouldn't be in committed relationships. <laughs> you know, the thing is though, women say they want honesty, but really don't want honesty. There, I think no one, I think there, any gender has an issue with, with honesty when it comes to being in a relationship, because on the flip side, mm -hmm. I've seen other genders as well too. And women as well too. I mean, this is like a, we can take gender off the table and really mm -hmm. make this really inclusive women. Also there, there are some women and some trans women and trans men and all other genders that also have an issue with commitment that should not be in committed relationships. They're mm -hmm. not thinking of the fact that, well, maybe the way that I love, maybe the way that I seek energy is not congruent to a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Me. I, I know me. Me, I'm not a monogamous person. I am very much polyamorous. And although I respect monogamy, mm -hmm. I support it within my clients. Me personally, I'm able to 
seek energy from other people, not just sexually, but emotional energy. But we know emotional is another aspect of relationship as well, too. And I, I understand that. And that's what mm-hmm. also makes me polyamorous as well, too. Okay, Some so what exactly is polyamorous? polyamorous? Huh? What exactly is polyamorous? Yeah, so polyamory is different than open relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, Will Smith is and Jada Pinkett Smith, they're, they're on the news a lot talking about the relationship. You know, Jada cheated on him with right. um, Look, August she, 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 She's just horrible, and he's an honest standing citizen. Well, well. <laughs> uh, recently, there was an article in Essence Magazine mm-hmm. that Will Smith said this was something that they both agreed upon. That this was something within their views of a relationship that they both agree that would be great is an open relationship. Both mm-hmm. of them took part in not being monogamous. Both of them. The issue with what Jada did, which makes it difficult for mm-hmm. open relationships, Jada did not tell Will. Open relationships require communication. Yeah. It requires it. That's and, the and, oh boy, was the, a fr- the, the kid's friend too. Was that Jada did not tell Will? Well, he was a kid's friend too. That was a little creepy. Yes. Now, polyamory is different. Mm-hmm. Polyamory is everyone is intrinsically linked mm-hmm. in a relationship, and it's not about sex. It's not about just going off and doing your individual thing. Mm-hmm. It's being able to. Connect yourself with multiple people that also they're connected with each other too. So you may hear of thruples, three Who? people in a relationship. Okay. You may, that's a type of polyamorous relationship where all of them are in a relationship together. There's multiple forms of loving and you're able to give your love to, to different people. Not oh, just man. sexually, but in a relationship. It's like a legitimate form of relationship. Okay, so what's the difference between that and polygamy? Just marriage? Well, I think of polyamory as mm-hmm. like the umbrella. Polygamy and polyandry mm-hmm. is part of that. So polygamy okay. is actually marrying. You know, right. Multiple women, right? And polyandry, polyandry is the woman marrying multiple women. men, right? Yeah, multiple men. Okay. But polyamory is more so just about the loving. So y'all like uh, uh, it's my grandma would say shacking up. Uh, shacking up, you know, shacking up. I think people think of shacking up as like living with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, some people they do live with each other, mm-hmm. um, but I think of it just like. They're dating each other in a relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, you know what? Like, Everyone's my thing in a relationship is, with each other. Yeah, it, as long as everybody is aware and on board, it's do what you want to do. Yeah, you know, it's when you start, like you say, not you know, the lines of communication are shut down. That's the issue. That tends to be the issue with um, open relationships and mm-hmm. even polyamorous relationships, they tend to sometimes fail due to communication. And, and also, let me ask you this. When people cheat, at least from my, what, what I've seen over the years, 
When a man cheats on a woman, it depends on who the woman is that he cheated with as to how she responds. Yes. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Does it? Does, what's worse, that she's way prettier than your current or way uglier? You know, I think it depends on the person. Uh -huh. um, you know, some people, it's not even about that. Some people, it's about the emotional connection that that mm. person was able to get with that person. Some people are able to forgive those kind of like flings. Right. You know, you're out on an academic conference, you're out on a work conference and this happened. Yeah. You got you know, two drugs. Like, okay, well, one time, well, let's go. You know, don't, don't let that happen again. Right. But now if you calling her or calling him or calling them afterwards and meeting up with them for months and months and months. Yeah, that's different. Different, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you got a whole nother relationship now, yes, you know. And, and and at that point, you just using me for whatever convenience I offer, correct? Yeah, yeah. That, that's when it gets that's for a lot of people, that's when it gets really woundy, yeah. Ain't no coming back from that, to be quite honest. It, there could, there can be, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm. I'm very optimistic. There are ways that people can work through infidelity, but it takes both of them to understand. It takes both of them to do the work. Um, and at the end of the day, it may come to pass that one of them is not the monogamous type. Right. And then there has to be some give and take at that point. Either you're going to stay in the relationship and be part of this kind of new function and structure of this relationship that is maybe open or polyamorous or what you gotta do yeah do what you gotta do cut your losses i'm not mad at that have, have you had to be the one to tell like a couple hey so-and-so is not it, it needs to not be with you i don't ever recommend mm -hmm. um anything like that um I never tell a couple what they should and should not do when it comes to their relationship being together or not. You got to be thinking it though sometimes. Um, yeah, I think, you know, in a split <laughs> second, you know, sometimes right. we do, but what, what is more important to me is that mm -hmm. they're able to formulate that opinion themselves. Mm. It's more powerful if they're able to get that control over their emotions and what they need and what they want and mm -hmm. their desires and able to come up with that decision themselves. Mm. Wow. Can they still, you know, like, like, are they still able to be friends after they break up legitimately? Sometimes. Some, some people are. Um, after some work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just personally, there's some, I'll tell you, in my early 20s, I was trying this monogamy thing. This is one of the things that taught me that I'm not really the monogamous type. Mm -hmm. My early 20s, I, I hurt some feelings. Oh. I hurt some feelings. Um, and I wasn't mature enough or even aware enough of different forms of relationships that I could consider, consider mm -hmm. you know, that I didn't have to be in a monogamous relationship, that I didn't have to put myself in a space where I wasn't, like, happy. Um, 
So I did hurt some feelings. Now there's some of, some of them that they're still really wounded by it. Now there's other folks that we've, after that, we just struck up a really tight friendship and we've been friends ever since mm. for like 10 years. Yo, I had somebody 20 years after we graduated high school inbox me, still pissed at me. Oh. That's fucking crazy. Like, like the, the, you, you, got, you need some help at that point. No, you must have had a profound impact on them. There must have been a lot of emotional investment. A lot. There's a lot of misremembering. That's what it was. Like I wasn't the shitty one in the situation. How <laughs> but like 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 how do you respond to something like that? You know, I was not trying to be offensive or anything like that. I'm all, I got a whole nother situation that's decades ago. And for whatever reason, this particular Tuesday, you upset with me out the blue. I don't think it's out the blue. I probably, probably it's something that they've always wanted to say, but now in power to say it. And, you know, so pain, fuck up my day for their empowerment. Yeah. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> you know, pain festers, you know, at that point in time in a particular person's yeah. life. Yeah. You don't know what that could have triggered within them, mm. you know, mm, and you, you just don't know. And it could trigger an insecurity that's hard for people to get past things that I even had to atone for, especially in my early 20s and mm. in my 20s as well, too, of how I've made some missteps in relationships that I've had to take a step back and say, wow. There are things that I needed to do to, to heal before I, I actually jumped into a relationship or things that, yeah, people have hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I had to think differently and say, hey, they were in a different space in their life. They were in a they were in a space in their life that they didn't have healing. And wow. I had to come to terms with that. So sometimes people mm. they move around healing and grief differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and people underestimate breaking up with somebody you've been with for a long time. It's just yes. fucking death. Yeah. Not and not everybody recovers the same way. Have you called no. somebody like up after a couple of years and been like, you know what, my bad for X, Y, and Z, but I I was fucked up what I did. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Um, sometimes it's well received. Sometimes it's it's not well received but at the end of the day (laughs) yeah at the end of the day it's like you know the apology is not necessarily for although it is for them it's also for yourself as well too so you're able to move forward to become hopefully to become a better human and see that's the thing with me is like to for me it's like you really are only doing this for yourself you're not really apologizing for my benefit you want to you you have reached a certain space where you're more enlightened and want to absolve yourself of shit that's fucked up. So somebody calling me years after, yeah, I'm probably gonna bang on you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of times it is absolving them themselves from what has been circulating in their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Although, you know, I've been on both sides of that coin. So you know, yeah, it's, it's different when you you eating the humble pie. Shit tastes completely different, you know. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Um, there's so many different ways they can go to my company website, which is the Center for Empowered Sexual Wellness. That is the 
T-H-E-C-E-S-W.com. Um, or they can find me on social media. Um, on Instagram, it's at J the Loveologist. That's T-H-A-L-O-V-E-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Um, so that is my personal Instagram. You can also find me on um, my company Instagram at Empowered Sexual Wellness and on Facebook. Okay. And yeah. what it, what exactly is Empowered Sexual Wellness about? Yeah. Um, it's um, a company that has been, it's a labor of love. I really put my heart and energy in creating this. Um mm. Almost, almost makes me a little a little emotional I, you know when it comes to sometimes the way that I've looked at success previously I've mm. looked at and coming from I'm from Kentucky a rural environment conservative Kentucky lived on a farm lived with conservative grandparents that they didn't oh, even sleep wow. in the same bedroom together really no they slept in separate beds <laughs> so how they get to have grandkids yeah oh they had <laughs> They had uh, 12 kids. Oh, wow. But they believe they, they just had a different different belief system. Mm. Um, mm. They just slept in separate beds. Um, doesn't mean that they didn't get it on, though. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I initially, when I first started doing, like, employment and working, I wanted something respectable. Mm. I wanted something very professional and, yeah. you know. I worked in higher ed and still work with a lot of higher ed and respectable industry, respectable industries. But, you know, after a while, I, I realized my passion and purpose was to empower people to be sexually well, that sex is something that is, is natural. It's something that, especially if you're consenting mm -hmm. and if it's legal and safe and sane that a lot of people experience um, but unfortunately, we have a society and we have a world that sometimes sex is painful or taboo or has all these different views and attitudes. And I really created this Empowered Sexual Wellness to be able to liberate people from all that shame, to be able to have fulfilling lives in relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah, I work with a lot of conservative religious folks. They're not able to have fulfilling relationships due to very conservative views that are impacting their intimacy and hmm. you know i want to make sure that we liberate people from sexual shame so they can have fulfilling lives not just with their partners but within themselves mm -hmm. um and i think they deserve that i think survivors of sexual trauma survivors of domestic violence survivors of racism um deserve to be able to have control over their bodies and their experiences and their pleasure in a safe and sane and consensual way. Is there anybody that you, 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 you come across that you turned away because it was just too creepy? Uh, yeah. Uh, several times, many times. Um, and, and not necessarily in a turn away sense, mm -hmm. like um, not still providing them services. Um, I'm a mom. Right. And um there is also just a very strong boundary that I don't work with clients that have um, child child fetishes mm -hmm. um, or maybe um, some pedophilic tendencies. I can understand that. Um, that's just my own boundary. So I have a lot of sexologists and clinicians that will work with those particular 
um, subsets of individuals um, just within myself. Um, one of the reasons why I am a sex counselor versus a mm -hmm. sex therapist. Um, individuals that may have those forms of that may be oppressive mm -hmm. or may lack boundaries um, definitely see a sex therapist. They intertwine that mental health aspect. So is a sex therapist able to prescribe actual medication? Um, a lot of times they are. Um, okay. it, with, in conjunction with like a physician assistant mm -hmm. or um, an MD or a psychiatrist that okay, will, gotcha. will help. But um, they could definitely support that. A lot of them are licensed um, practicing um, counselors. Okay. So they're able to, to work wow. with clients with that. Yeah, I definitely couldn't do that one. No, bro. I, I feel you a thousand percent on that. that. That's just. And even though those people are trying to help and do a service, like you can't unhear shit that you hear. Yeah, there, there's certain, you know, everyone has their own professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. Even therapists, they have their own professional boundaries that they may not be able to um, ethically see. Um, maybe it's too close to home for them in their own trauma. Um, mm -hmm. And they want to be able to provide someone with the, the best care possible. Me, even with people that that are maybe um, pedophiles or mm -hmm. maybe have some um, some tendencies towards that, um, does not mean that they don't deserve some level of care. Um, we want them to get help. We don't want to turn them away. Um, totally. So what I do is I still work with them to try to figure out if I can find a clinician in their area. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm not going to say what I think should happen. That's a whole nother show. Actually, it would just be a quick show. <laughs> um, But I know I only had an hour. I think, I think our hour is just about up there, Queen. I don't want to uh, take too much of your time. This has been dope, though. I really enjoyed the conversation. This has been dope. And yeah. um, I learned some shit too. Huh? I learned some shit. I'm, I'm glad you learned some shit. That's the goal. That it helps. Yeah. Imagine if we had like, listen, if we had like two hours together. Yeah, we might. We might have to. We, we might have to work on that. We're learning some 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 deep shit. Yeah. Because, we, we I might, mean, we, to work we on still that. haven't talked about BDSM. Wait, wait, we haven't that? talked about adult baby diaper play and some other fetishes. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. We got like nine more minutes. Adult baby diaper play. Yeah. What the fuck? A B D P. So they oh they they got initials. Oh boy, I'm sorry. Um, for those people that so it's people that like to wear diapers. Do they yeah, use the there, diapers? There are there are um, people that. That is their fetish that they enjoy it. They enjoy being taken care of being taken care of. So they may wear diapers. They may have a makeshift crib in their in their house and their partners engage in that. Or maybe they hire a sex worker to help to support it. Um, but yeah, it's a very legitimate fetish. And it's and if done right, it's safe and sane and consensual. That is so important. So it's sane. not anything that's like child fetish or anything along that line. Um, nothing non-consensual. Um, it is really an adult that pretends to be a baby to be taken care of. Yo, that's just wild. 
There's medical play too. Where okay, everything medical. can't be sane though. Some things have to be insane. There are there are That's things close. that are not sane, and things that aren't sane re really um are non consensual. Non consensual, okay. um, and even there's there's very um strong boundaries when it comes to consent, like BDSM. You know, there are individuals that what is that, are, and that's bondage, domination, sadism, masochism. That oh, that's that fifty you know, shades of gray shit. Think of it as like rope play, um, you know, being bound, being gagged, um, spanking, um. That requires very proactive consent. You have to have great conversation with whom you're working with and who you're you're <laughs> engaging, your lifestyle partner, who you're you're actually with. Yeah. You yeah. can't just do that with just anybody. So that's a Rick James. Oh, rest in yep. peace. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He tried yeah, that. did you watch that Rick, Rick James <laughs> documentary on I did. I remember when he went to jail. Yeah. <laughs> Why he went. Well, on Showtime, um, there's a documentary mm -hmm. um, about Rick James where it talks about um, someone observed him being intimate with a woman, and um, he kept on he kept on whipping her with this belt, and this girl was crying, and since she wasn't saying no, he thought it was totally okay, and he kept on whipping her harder and harder and harder and harder. Oh. That is not saying. No. Although someone someone does not have to say no for it to be not sane. That was definitely not sane. It's not sane. So that that's why it's so important to have proactive consent. That's why it's important for people to learn that, not just go by Pornhub or all these, you know, porn sites where people think of ideas and say, I'll do this learn contact me contact another kink professional as well too before you start engaging in activities that can have some risk and there i mean well there there could there's an argument as the sanity of someone wanting to be like beat with a paddle you know pain can stimulate pleasure if you've ever gotten a tattoo me i have a lot of tattoos um sometimes those the tattoos can have an erotic sensation. No, my shit just hurt. Mine don't. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and it, it's different, it's different <laughs> person to person. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it is. That's that's uh you know, you meet somebody, she's like, hey, come punch me in the eye. Oh, now that's different. That's Why? Different. Why is that different than, than somebody it with a big is, ass wooden you know, board? There are some people that like to engage in a little bit more rougher mm -hmm. of, of play. But at the end of the day, there are regions of your body that they strongly suggest for pleasure when it comes to sadism and masochism and bondage and, and domination. Your okay. eyes are, tend not to be that, that place. <laughs> so what what are recommended dominatrix places like regions of your body it yeah i'm assuming depends. your ass you know yeah, it maybe, maybe your legs or something like if you're using like let's say a paddle right the ass the thigh so meteor parts of your body the thighs um 
you know, if you use a, let's say a, um, uh, let's say a whip, um, you know, that could be different parts of your body. That could be your arms. That could be your thighs. That could be your butt. Oh. Um, there's also electroplay too, that are little probes that give off a little bit of like an electric sting. Like a t- oh wow, um, that's great, especially on the skin, the outer skin layer. Not great internally. Not supposed to do that internally. So yeah, there's different parts of your body that for different different play. But that's why it's so important to be able to talk with a kink professional before you start engaging in risk and risky risky play, especially rope play. You know, you have there's, to get training there, there for that. Are, Don't just. Oh, there's training for this. Oh, yeah, wow. there's training. <laughs> Look up Hassan King. Hassan King. He provides training. He's a kink and fetish just master. So he does some that, amazing training. He's actually about to do some trainings in Denver and um, Pittsburgh. So, um, so yeah. What a weird, what, uh, what a unique thing to be trained in. Wow. Um, yeah, that was just uh, okay. I definitely appreciate the enlightenment, Queen. This thank has you. been dope. Uh, thank you. And you know, I'm here. I'm here when you need me. I'm here when you need me. So if you want to chat you. soon again and you have I, some other just interesting topics. Yes. Yes. We're going to chop it up a little bit more. <laughs> um, on that note, y'all be safe out there. Strap up. Um if you say you with one person, be with that one person. If you are polyamorous, be upfront about it, whatever the case is. And thank you to Jay, the love ologist. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> no doubt. Have a good one. You too.